Don't you think how in medicine it's kind of crazy how things get into the limelight? They fall out of favor, they go back into favor, in fashion, out of fashion. Well, such is the case with vitamin D. Vitamin D recently has made headlines because of its possible protectant effect against COVID-19. You know, we always thought about vitamin D as its bone-protecting principles and really kind of left it at that. The truth is, vitamin D's role in overall body's hemostasis is more complicated than just its effects on bone. So in this podcast, I thought I'd take a look at vitamin D supplementation in pregnancy because there's a lot of data that vitamin D deficiency in pregnancy is actually linked to some adverse outcomes. In this podcast, we're going to focus on two specifically, preeclampsia and gestational diabetes. Yep, there's some evidence that low vitamin D can actually predispose women to preeclampsia and gestational diabetes. So let's take a look at this evidence that's coming out soon in print because it's published ahead of print now. And we'll cover that reference and that data next. The data for this podcast comes from Current Opinions in OBGYN from August 2020, which is published ahead of print. The title is Vitamin D Supplementation During Pregnancy, an overview with the lead author being Perez Lopez. Fetal needs for vitamin D increase during the latter half of pregnancy when bone growth and ossification are the most pronounced. Vitamin D travels to the fetus by passive transfer and the fetus is entirely dependent on maternal stores. So maternal status is a direct reflection of the fetal vitamin D status. The vitamin D level in breast milk also correlates with the maternal serum level. So low vitamin D levels in the breast that come from low vitamin D levels in the mom can also exert a harmful effect on the newborn. There's been renewed interest in vitamin D and particularly, of course, low levels and its potential for adverse outcomes. Now, there is biological plausibility for vitamin D to play a role in pregnancy outcomes given the presence of receptors in gestational tissues. Also, oddly, there's vitamin D receptors in uterine muscle and this could affect contractile strength. Lastly, vitamin D has been shown to have immunomodulatory effects both on the fetus and the mom, thereby potentially protecting the host from infection. In terms of natural sources, actually very few foods in nature contain vitamin D. The flesh of fatty fish like salmon, tuna, and mackerel, and fish liver oils are among the best sources of vitamin D. Small amounts of vitamin D are also found in beef, liver, cheese, and egg yolks. Vitamin D status is clinically studied by measuring circulating 25-hydroxyvitamin D. As pregnancy advances, the majority of women display spontaneous reduction of circulating 25-OHD maternal levels. This occurs even in sunny regions and places without air pollution that are close to the seaside. Even when pregnant women receive small amounts of vitamin D supplementation, defined as less than or equal to 200 IUs per day, vitamin D levels tend to be reduced. Now, it's hypothesized that during the first half of pregnancy, vitamin D may contribute to fetal growth and to the programming of some fetal functions and organs, including, among others, the central nervous system, bone, and, of course, dental enamel. 
So, it seems reasonable to maintain sufficient maternal vitamin D and calcium levels that will cross a placenta to the fetus. Serum 25-OHD levels are reported typically as nanograms per ml. Regarding preeclampsia, several studies suggest an association between low vitamin D levels and increased risk of the development of preeclampsia. Some studies based on 25-hydroxy-D levels measured early in pregnancy have not found such association. However, the frequency of preeclampsia is reduced when vitamin D levels are maintained at an elevated rate during the last trimester of pregnancy with supplementation of up to 4,000 IUs per day. So it seems that vitamin D may have a role at decreasing the risk of preeclampsia by down-regulating some placental anti-angiogenic factors. In an RCT carried out by Ali et al., pregnant women from 6 to 12 weeks with serum 25-OHD levels less than 25 nanograms per ml were randomized to be supplemented with vitamin D either group 1 at 400 IUs per day or group 2, 4,000 IUs per day in order to compare the prevalence of preeclampsia. Maternal 25-OHD increased in group 2 more than group 1, which makes sense. And the frequency of preeclampsia were respectfully 1.2 and 8.6% that p-value was statistically significant. In addition, group 2 reported less total number of intrauterine growth restrictions as compared to group 1. So what does this mean? Remember that group 2 was a group that had nearly a tenfold increased dose of supplementation of vitamin D. The recent meta-analysis of Fogacci et al. reported that vitamin D administration during pregnancy was related to a significant reduction of preeclampsia risk with an odds ratio of 0.37 with high homogeneity of the data and of the trend. When the supplementation was initiated at the 20th week of gestation, the risk was lower with an odds ratio of 0.35. This suggests that vitamin D supplementation may be a useful clinical intervention to prevent or reduce the risk of preeclampsia. Ugh, and I gotta tell you, I really hate giving a bunch of numbers in these podcasts because people get glazed over in person with a bunch of numbers and even more so on a podcast. But I thought those numbers were important. Well, here's what it boils down to. Does vitamin D supplementation actually have some benefit for preeclampsia risk? I mean, that's what we got aspirin for, right? Well, remember, that's also controversial because aspirin, do you give it for high-risk factors only? Do you give it universally? Is there some fetal risks? And that's another podcast that we did at an earlier time. Nothing's perfect. Again, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, I'm a big fan of universal aspirin use, but that's not our focus here. So when there's questions and things are kind of controversial, I kind of use a referee to help guide my decisions. And we have a referee here. It's the Cochrane View of Database. So this was done in July of 2019, and the Cochrane Review actually took a look, and that title is The Vitamin D Supplementation for Women During Pregnancy, the Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews. 
In order to do this review, the Cochrane Group looked at randomized and quasi-randomized trials to evaluate the effect of supplementation with vitamin D either alone or in combination with other micronutrients for women during pregnancy in order to compare them to their effect with placebo or no intervention. Well, here's what the Cochrane database found, specifically in with regard to supplementation with vitamin D alone versus placebo or no intervention. Cochrane took a look at 22 trials involving over 3,000 pregnant women. 19 trials were assessed as having low to moderate risk of bias for most domains, and three trials were assessed as having high risk of bias for most domains. Supplementation with vitamin D alone during pregnancy, according to the Cochrane database, probably reduces the risk of preeclampsia, with the odds ratio, according to the Cochrane review, being 0.48 and a confidence interval of 0.3 to 0.79. So what's the take-home message? Well, the take-home message is we should probably be recommending vitamin D supplementation to pregnant women because it actually cannot hurt and it may be beneficial for neurodevelopment of the child in utero. And more importantly, the data is fair that it may actually reduce the risk of preeclampsia. Now remember, we have not yet covered the actual dose that's recommended for supplementation in pregnancy, nor have we covered the target range of maternal serum levels. But hold on, because we're going to cover that soon. All right, moving on to gestational diabetes. Remember, vitamin D has functions outside of its bone effects in overall body hemostatic mechanisms, and this is found in the link to gestational diabetes. Low maternal 25-hydroxy-D levels have been associated to a higher risk of gestational diabetes. This risk is much greater in women with excessive body weight. In other words, those that have BMI that are overweight and obese. Fat tissue has the capacity to retain 25-OHD from the circulatory system, altering the equilibrium between PTH and calcium. Now, authors have studied a very large population of pregnant women to whom an oral glucose tolerance test was performed in the first and second trimesters of pregnancy. The authors, which are show et al., actually found that maternal vitamin D deficiency was associated with a higher risk of GDM and increased fasting blood glucose. In addition, the negative association between 25-OHD deficiency, which they defined as less than 20 nanograms per ml, and fasting blood glucose was stronger among women with excessive body weight. Just as we cover the Cochrane Review for preeclampsia, let's cover the Cochrane Review and their results regarding vitamin D supplementation and GDM. The Cochrane meta-analysis of RCTs and quasi-RCTs reported that vitamin D supplementation during pregnancy does decrease the risk of GDM with a relative risk of 0.51. That study gave 95% confidence intervals of 0.27 to 0.97. Man, are you kidding me? Little old vitamin D? It looks like vitamin D supplementation really can help reduce the risk of preeclampsia and gestational diabetes. Now, let's cover the target maternal serum level in pregnancy and the recommended dose of supplementation. Let's do that next. Um. 
The U.S. Institute of Medicine, or the IOM, has recommended a serum 25-OHD cutoff of more than 20 nanograms per ml to define sufficiency. However, the U.S. Endocrine Society has set a serum target range of 25-OHD of more than 30 nanograms per ml as the optimal target for bone health. The U.S. IOM recommends a vitamin D3 intake of 600 IUs per day during pregnancy and lactation that will help maintain maternal bone health and ensure infant bone growth. ACOG and the International Federation of Gynecology and Obstetrics, or FIGO, recommends supplementing with 250 to 600 IUs per day, calicalciferol during pregnancy, as a standard. Again, the supplementation from ACOG and FIGO is a range of 250 to 600 IUs per day of calicalciferol. They also recommend that vitamin D deficiency should be treated with vitamin D levels at dosages of 1,000 to 2,000 IUs per day. So there makes a distinction between routine supplementation of up to 600 IUs per day. But if the woman is known to be deficient, we're talking about 1,000 to 2,000 IUs per day. Vitamin D is the preferred supplemental compound for pregnancy because of metabolic advantages over vitamin D2. Now, before we finish this podcast, I do need to read to you the official ACOG stance, although ACOG's stance was from 2011. Yes, there's a committee opinion on vitamin D supplementation in pregnancy, which is now a whopping nine years old. In 2011, ACOG released a committee opinion, which was 495, entitled Vitamin D Screening in Pregnant Women. Now remember, this is now nine years ago. But according to the college at that time, quote, there's not enough evidence to recommend screening all pregnant women for vitamin D deficiency, end quote. But again, remember, we're talking about 2011. In this committee opinion, it did state and recognize that the Endocrine Society, however, did recommend screening for deficiency in high-risk individuals, which included pregnant women. ACOG stated that it was reasonable to check for vitamin D deficiency in vegetarians, women with limited sun exposure, and ethnic minorities with darker skin. ACOG in that 2011 piece also stated that there was no consensus on the optimal serum level of vitamin D in pregnancy, but it did recommend 1,000 to 2,000 IUs as being safe for those women that were found to be deficient. Now, fast forward nine years to 2020, and the August published ahead of print current opinions in OBGYN. We now have a maternal serum level goal of at least 20 nanograms per deciliter, but with a target range of 30, and the supplementation again of 400 to 600 IUs per day in the general population, and again up to 2,000 IUs per day for women who are vitamin D deficient. It seems that there is a benefit for supplementation for vitamin D in pregnancy, and that's why it's important to keep abreast and current with evidence-based practice. All right, podcast friends, what did we learn? Uh, Look, I learned something from this because the truth is I've always recommended the typical, right? The usual suspects. Take your iron, take your folic acid, and eat a healthy diet. 
the truth is we probably should be asking women about their vitamin D supplementation and I'm all for checking maternal serum levels because in this case it really can't hurt and can only help and remember it doesn't seem that vitamin D has a toxic amount although it's very rare to need more than 5,000 IUs per day. So again, thanks for being part of our podcast family. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Clinical Pearls.